and welcome to this Endo Life episode 77. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. Please note that this podcast is not intended to replace your medical treatment and is for educational purposes only. Before we start, I wanted to thank my sponsors, BU. BU are the people helping you to reduce your period pain with nature. They provide quality, pure CBD balms, drops and sprays, as well as their incredible period patches, which you guys know I love. And some of you have asked what's the best way to get the most out of your patches. So just like most things with endo, everyone is different. So make sure you kind of find out what works for you. But many people report that they find the most benefit from applying the patches a day or so before their period. Um, and that can help soothe and calm the infl- inflammation before your period even starts. I tend to wear them one to two days before my period arrives as I have started to get like lower back pain just before my period. Um, so I find that it's helpful to wear them for those two days. They come in packs of five. So depending on the length of your cycle, they should on average last the majority of your period. And you can subscribe so you can get them every month. They're $6.99 for a single pack or $4.99 if you go for a, subs- for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes or go directly to buonline.co.uk. So it's B-E-Y-O-U online.co.uk. I just wanted to give a shout out to my lovely new sponsor, Samain. Samain launched last week, which is super exciting and was founded by twin sisters with Endo, Lauren and Catherine. They appeared on the show in episode number 61, so definitely have a listen to that if you um, are interested in hearing more about the ingredients and learning more about their story. Um, Samain is a plant-based supplement for reducing period pain and inflammation that you take for seven days of your cycle during your period. It's made up of nine super-powered plant extracts and minerals that are all vegan and sourced for maximum quality and bioavailability and again definitely listen to the episode I did with them to hear more about kind of the quality of their ingredients and where they're sourced and things like that. The ingredients have been chosen based on clinical research that shows that when people with endo or period pain take these plant extracts or minerals that they experience reduction in pain and inflammation and we actually talk about a lot of those studies in that interview as well. If you want to try Samain they are currently offering 15% off with your first order and they deliver worldwide and are offering a discount for people who are living outside of the US to make shipping a bit cheaper. The link is in my show notes or you can just head to www.samainhealth.com that's s-e-m-a-i-n-e i am so excited about today's episode it's actually a two-part what do you call it a two-part series um with molly robertson who is a registered registered nutritional therapist specializing in endo and you may actually know her as the endo expert Molly, I mean, I just had so much fun and found this conversation so interesting that we ended up talking for two hours, hence why this is <laughs> there's a part one and a part two. Um, so to give you an overview, Molly began experiencing, experiencing symptoms as soon as her periods began and they worsened as the years went by. Um, finally, she had a, um, a gynae who belief that she had endometriosis and rather than going down the route for a laparoscopy um, Molly actually decided to manage endometriosis through nutrition and what ended up happening is the deeper that she went into managing endo the more complex the diet protocols became and Molly found herself you know unhappy eating a really restrictive diet worrying about everything having a lot of anxiety and as her stress levels and anxiety around her diet went up so did her pain um, and she talks about reaching this breaking point in the podcast. Um, and that basically inspired her to go back to basics and follow a general anti-inflammatory diet. And that was really when she began experiencing a relief in symptoms when she could start to enjoy food again and enjoy the experience of eating and her stress signals weren't kind of going crazy um, and heightening her pain. 
I wanted to have Molly on the show because obviously she's a specialist in endo, um, but also because a couple of you have asked me for an episode with a psychologist um, around triggers for endometriosis in terms of um, triggers, sorry, for eating disorders when it comes to eating for endo. Um, and I really wanted to talk to Molly about this because not only does she have experience with it, she also works with patients who have disordered eating or feel triggered around certain aspects of eating for endometriosis. So she had to, has a lot of experience in this area. So it was just such a pleasure to have Molly on to really deep dive into this subject. In this episode, we talk about her experience of eating for endo, eating for endometriosis and considerations for people who are struggling with disordered eating, the stress response around eating and how it can affect our pain levels and her nutritional approach for people struggling with endo. I absolutely loved this interview. I think Molly is amazing. Um, I'm sure you will as well. So yeah, here she is. I hope you enjoy. With all of like all the guests on the podcast, most of them have had endometriosis have endometriosis rather than had um so I always like to start with kind of their journey to diagnosis and kind of just what their experience have been um has been and I know that you have endo yourself so I was just wondering if you could share a bit about your journey yeah absolutely so my journey to where I am right now has actually been quite long and quite complicated uh so I will try and keep it succinct (laughs) um (laughs) But yeah, basically from the first time that I had my period, from my first few periods, I always had period pain. It was like day one, yeah, I've got period pain. And to be honest with you, it was so bad that I know like other, lots of other people who have endo, I took days off school and I actually started my period really young. I think I was, I was 10 years old. And I was like in year six and I had to take days. I was like 16. Oh my God. I was was really to be 16 and have my period. (laughs) I swear all my friends are like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like I want my period. I was like, no, I hate this. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was really sad. Actually. I remember like, I just wanted to be a kid, you know, it was, it was quite heartbreaking um, to be experiencing this pain. And I think, because it was due to my period, I remember feeling quite resistant to the pain because it was kind of like a sign that, you know, I was a woman now and all of this. And Mm -hmm. I think looking back on it, like from an emotional and kind of energetic standpoint, I think it's really interesting. Um, I could probably dive into that, but I won't. Um, But when I was about 14, I kind of had enough periods and experienced enough pain that I was thinking, this doesn't really feel right. So I went to my GP and I was basically told period pain's normal. Mm-hmm. Which I think we've all heard that, you know, at yeah. some point, period pain's totally normal, you're fine. Um, and like loads of others again, I was put on the pill. So I was on the pill from 14 until 18. And then when I was 18, I had to have some spinal surgery uh, because I had scoliosis. So after this surgery, I felt really, really terrible. Um, and I had a whole host of symptoms. Um, it wasn't in my mind, you know, looking back, it wasn't so much my period pain, but more like, I was feeling nauseous all the time and I had loads of headaches. And at that point, I actually went to see a nutritionist and she helped me so, so much that I actually decided then to go and study nutritional therapy. That's so interesting because I was I, I was thinking that you look quite young mm-hmm. and I was like, when, at what point did your journey with nutrition start? Because Obviously, it takes a long time to train as a nutritionist. So, um, I mean, to go to a nutritionist at 18 is incredibly wise. So that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, well, luckily for me, my mum was into, you know, the kind of holistic side of things. She'd always taken me to see homeopaths and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was very lucky. And so my journey did start very early. Um, but at that point when I was 18, I actually decided never to go back on the pill. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't really, you know, I had, I, I had no 
knowledge of what might happen to my period pain, but I just decided actually it wasn't the right fit at that time. Um, and because I was kind of diving into improving my nutrition and kind of navigating the kind of well-being world, my periods at that time actually remained very manageable. So I remember I was having period pain, but it wasn't what I would now call like endo pain. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was period pain, but it wasn't awful. So I, I cut kind of a year or so went by and I was, I was studying, I had to do a foundation science course. And so I was kind of going through that to get onto my nutrition course. And then I had a really, really stressful year and it involved kind of a personal loss and I had moved house multiple times and then I had the stress of my studies and it was just like loads and loads of things one after another and it was really interesting in terms of my health because it was from that point that my pain increased massively and it changed as well it wasn't just I'm getting period pain it was I'm getting nausea with my periods and I'm experiencing cold sweats with my periods. I mean, I remember one specific time I was literally screaming in pain. My boyfriend and my mum were, they looked terrified. Like they honestly had no idea what was going on. And they were both saying like, what should we do? You know, she's absolutely sheet white. And I think we ended up calling 111 in the end. So not the emergency line but the kind of the NHS kind of helpline like just to get some you know what's going on is she okay but they have really nothing much to say except for kind of just take some pain relief and see how it goes oh Um, mad I know I know so I mean yeah that was a really crazy scary time um and us you know more than that I was actually then experiencing pelvic pain and then I was experiencing pain with sex and then I was experiencing spotting throughout the month and all these symptoms just kept on kind of progressing and and one was leading to the next so I decided to go back to my GP and I literally must have gone back maybe five times and literally she was referring me for ultrasounds I had multiple UTI tests I had pelvic yeah I had that yeah yeah and you like you're thinking am I crazy like what what is wrong with me and I actually had I got referred to have a colposcopy um which is basically where they look at your cervix yeah and I was terrified of this and my GP had actually said to me I'm going to refer you because I don't think it is, but it could be cancer. And so I was like, okay, fantastic. Like this is, you know, she was like, I don't want to worry you. And I was like, well, now I'm like a hundred percent worried, you know? So this time was really quite distressing. And I had very, very little knowledge of endometriosis. Even though I had started my training, I maybe had like a bit of a women's health lecture covered it but I mean I don't know it just I think at the time maybe my pain hadn't progressed so I just had you know a little bit of period pain and so all the other symptoms didn't really feel like they matched what I was experiencing and I I think that happens yeah I think that happens quite a lot with endo is that there are so many symptoms but you don't necessarily experience all of them um so you know it can be quite hard to to identify in yourself that oh maybe I do have endo you know yeah and it's kind of like only official like there's more symptoms than there's officially listed if that makes sense so if you went to like the NHS website we know that statistically people with endo have more allergies intolerant and intolerances but that's not on a symptom list so if you had all of the kind of symptoms even the odd ones like the brain fog um and the allergies you know and the bloating maybe you could put that together but most of the time all you see is like painful sex painful periods pelvic pain maybe low energy that's usually all that you can see yeah absolutely yeah totally totally agree with that so 
yeah, it was difficult for me to identify like, oh, maybe I do have endo. So at the time I really was not associating it with that at all. Mm. And then probably six months or so went by and this is like all of these tests are happening. And when everything had come back clear, at that point, my GP asked me about my periods. And of course, <laughs> after months of stress, yeah, I know. It's like now I look back on it and I'm kind of gobsmacked. Like I can't believe. Because the thing is, I'm in this, like, or I had been, I was sort of dipping my toe into this whole world of healthcare and, you know, nutrition and, and disease and illness. So if I didn't put those two together, like it really makes me sad to think of the state of things because yeah it's it's quite shocking that she didn't ask me about my periods before but at this point I remember thinking like yeah that they're, they're awful like you know after all this stress after all the triggers I was really suffering you know lots of pain lots of symptoms um so I was then referred to my gynecologist which took another like five months or something ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah and then he he basically confirmed that it was most likely endometriosis. So I actually, I was offered the surgery. I was offered the pill and I was offered, why don't you just get pregnant? <laughs> Which is so helpful from like a middle-aged man to be like, why don't you like a 19 year old get pregnant? It's like, really? Um, and he I shouldn't just be allowed thinking, to say this kind of stuff. Like really? And the thing is, it's not, like there's actually no evidence to support that no. getting pregnant cures endo. So it's, it is really outrageous that they're allowed to say that. And I just remember thinking at the time, like there has to be something else I can do. Like that can't just be it. And especially because, you know, I was training in nutritional therapy and, and it had really instilled this hope in me that actually a condition like this really could be helped um you know maybe even improved or or maybe you know maybe that I could maybe see an end to these symptoms by addressing actually what is going on inside my body those root causes um I was like no thank you and so I actually I haven't had the surgery to 100% confirm the endo but in my mind, there's absolutely no oh, doubt. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's weird. I feel like when you know, you know, and like I, I feel like I have a sixth sense around sixth sense around endo because there's so many people I know who I'm like, that really sounds like endo. And then they get they go and get diagnosed. Yeah. And I just think like when you when you fit it all together and of course how common it is it's quite it's you know it's highly likely Mm. so yeah no it makes sense but I think it's it's incredible so now you haven't had the surgery but yet you're managing regardless without the excision exactly so I mean yeah it was a tricky decision to make and and it's still you know something that plays on my mind in terms of my fertility but I had just had spinal surgery and it was like, I can't go through this again. Like, especially because I was so ill after I came out of the surgery. And now I'm looking back thinking like, yeah, you know, surgery, it's a huge burden on the body, you know, on Mm. the liver and all of the body systems. It's a huge thing. Trauma. Absolutely trauma. And, you know, yeah, the the kind of energy and, and emotional side of it as well is huge. So you know, at the time I was thinking, I, I'm not saying never, but I want to see what I can do first. And I'm really, really glad I did that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I kind of ordered a load of books and like went on to PubMed and did all my research. And it really was the beginning of a huge, huge journey. Um, So yeah, and it's kind of led me to where I am now, but it's been, I mean, you know, with any chronic illness or autoimmune condition, it's an up and down. It's not just linear. It's not like you're getting better and better and better and better. It's like there are ups and downs and, you know, you don't always see it coming. So part of my story definitely is 
actually the realization that food, although such an integral part of improving endo, it isn't the be all and end all of improving and of recovery. And I think if we put too much pressure on on it being that like everything, I think it can be really harmful to your relationship with food because, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about the different, you know, dietary changes that you can make. And if you hold on to them and cling to them so much as the only thing you have that can help you, I think that's a little bit, you know, dangerous is too strong a word, but I have seen it in myself and in others be quite harmful to their relationship with food. So I'm really about working holistically. And that's that's in my journey. What worked for me was actually, yeah, 100% food is so important, but also looking at stress mm-hmm. and also looking at sleep and movement yeah, and sleep all so these much. things. Absolutely. So that's really where my journey took me. And I went down quite a rabbit hole in terms of my kind of approach to food with endo. Um, and I, I mean, I have tried so many styles of eating. <laughs> like I've, if there is a style of eating, like I'm gonna, I'm going to bet that I have tried it, <laughs> honestly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I was dairy and gluten free from when I came out of my spinal surgery. So I was already dairy and gluten free. Okay. So that was like the basis. And then from that point, I tried a lot of other diets um, or dietary styles of eating. And that's where things kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. Right. Okay. So things got... Well, yeah, I mean, let's... I, I kind of want to... I'm trying to think which way to do this. I want to find, I, I want to kind of, because I know from your website, you were saying that you've experienced like a lot of relief, a, a lot of relief and there were some kind of key players in that. So I do want to dive into that, but mm-hmm. actually um, as we're on this subject, like what was like, what was your experience of that spiraling? Because for me, um, so I have, I had like an 11 year eating disorder and that kind of kicked off. One of the reasons that kicked off is because I had like the bloating from a really young age, even though that, even though I didn't have, um, I I hadn't started my period, I kind of had like weird symptoms from a really young age and bloating was one of them. And so I was told like, as like, I don't know, an eight or 10 year old or something to hold my stomach in. And then that, triggered like and my my cousins were super skinny um like they've literally gone on to be supermodels like so that was and they were like my best friends so that was like a big comparison but then I had this like constant bloat that then I needed to hold in and as I got to secondary school I became convinced that that was fat so I was like well if I just get rid of the fat then the bloating won't be there yeah um and so it was actually when I started to learn about nutrition for endo that for once in my life, I realized that I needed to feed my body in order for it to be able to like live with this disease well. Mm. So it was kind of a saving grace for me, but having had an eating disorder and observing like the fear that it can create, like, you know, eliminating certain foods, like I can totally appreciate how, it can be a trigger for some people. So what was like, if you're happy to talk about it, how did that kind of like um, manifest for you? Yeah, I mean, thank you. You know, that's that's a really lovely way of, you know, the, the story you have about actually it, it was your saving grace, you know, and that, and it can be for some people. And it's, and this is the thing, like, this is just my story and, and I've, you know, I have observed these sorts of things in others and that's why it has become a, a bit of a passion of mine. But, you know, it is different for everyone. But essentially, like, 
my personality type is type A perfectionist, have quite an addictive personality. Um, very similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also like, I also am quite stressy. Like I have a history of anxiety as well. So I think when you pair those things together with it's almost like this power you have that oh my goodness like this style of eating this could cure me you know like yeah, it's a yeah. lot of of power that you have that you think that you can control and so I basically I think the first one first style of eating that I tried I mean, I, I did not mess around. I tried the autoimmune paleo protocol. And if, you know, if any of you guys have heard of it, it's pretty hardcore. So yeah, we're literally like, it's it's one of the options for um, any of, of my clients who present with um, autoimmune alongside, yeah, endo. So <laughs> it's tough. It is. It, I mean, it like I said, it for some people, it can be fantastic. But because I've got that kind of addictive edge to my personality it it just didn't quite work for me so it's eliminating a lot of things like um grains and nuts and seeds I think it's nightshades eggs um, and then all sugars and sweeteners and um one of the hardest ones for me was chocolate or cocoa like just cacao powder yeah oh my god I love chocolate so much and also like certain spices too like I used a lot of like paprika and then having to take that out felt like oh my god what's happening (laughs) um but essentially you know it's the AIP diet is wanting to repair any kind of intestinal hyperpermeability um and in in doing that in, in kind of healing the gut as it you know is often said you can help get the root of any kind of immune dysfunction or or inflammation so it can be a really helpful tool um, for the right person but I just in my experience I found it so restrictive and I just remember being absolutely miserable and I didn't even do it for that long I was thinking this morning like how long did I do it for and I think it was between anywhere between like 20 and 30 days. So I I didn't take it to like a crazy level. I wasn't doing it for like months and months. Although I think some of the books that, you know, just any old person can buy, I think they say that you can do it for up to like six months, which really, yeah. And I just, I was like, I want it. I was aiming for that. Do you know what I mean? Cause I'm such an like a achieving mindset that I'm like, right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. If they're saying do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like they say six, I'm going to do 12 months. Like, you know, it's it's this crazy kind of personality that I have. But over that time, I remember I went on holiday and it was my mum's birthday. And I just remember having to prepare all my own food and like everyone else was eating like all the stuff that they had. And I was kind of really grumpy about being on this diet, you know, and I just felt like such an awkward outsider and I don't know it was just such a weird a weird feeling and I remember everyone was enjoying a pudding of some sort and I remember going and getting like a pack of dates and I was so like I was so ready to just eat something delicious I probably had like five dates and that like blows my mind because like I would never eat more than like one yeah maybe 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 two like if I'm feeling crazy maybe two yeah. but I really oh God, I'm exactly the same because I'm like easy yeah. now there's a lot of sugar in there <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh so much but yeah it's so true and like and there I was eating like I just couldn't stop and it you know if I look back I, I would say it was kind of like a binge like I was yeah I had just felt so like restricted and then I was just like, oh my God, I just want, I just want the day. And I just kept on eating and eating and eating. And I can laugh now, but it was really like, it was, it felt really sad at the time. Yeah, of course. And then like, of course you get those feelings after that sort of episode where you're then like, oh God, like, why did I do that? And you feel guilty and mm-hmm. you feel shame. And then you feel like a failure because like, 
you know, the AIP diet, like they wouldn't be happy with me because I'm not going to do that. And so there's a lot of like judgments that are being put on top of it. So it was after that holiday that I decided to stop the AIP. I just, I don't think I made it as far as they said I should have before the reintroduction phase. But I was just thinking, I think... I think I knew it it didn't feel right like it wasn't meant to be this stressful um but yeah like I say this is just my own experience and I'm just this type of person so these diets just I did I did them again and again and I, I think I went on to a histamine elimination diet and then I tried a personal food sensitive. I did like a blood test, an IgG blood test. And, and the thing was, at this point, I wasn't sure what I should be eating because I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe there are some of those foods from the AIP that I should still exclude. Right, I get you. Yeah. I'm excluding some histamine and now I'm excluding some of my personal sensitivities that weren't even in the histamine or the AIP. And so it just spiraled and I felt so stressed out completely like socially excluded um it was really affecting like my relationships and my mood and to be honest like my pain had kind of plateaued like I was I it wasn't as bad as it had been but it definitely wasn't as good as I thought it could have been having done all of these crazy diets um so yeah it was like I think I remember like the breaking point for me was I went down to a supermarket with my boyfriend and I was standing in the middle of the supermarket and I literally was like, I have no idea what I'm going to eat yeah. like for my lunch. I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. And, and I just, it was ridiculous. I was standing in the middle of a huge supermarket and I was just like, I don't know what to eat. And I know like, you know, it, yeah okay I could have had like just a plain chicken breast or a plain fillet of fish and some lovely vegetables but I craved more than that like there was just something inside inside me that after so many months of controlling and restricting all of these foods and let's face it like a lot of the foods in like histamine and and like AIP spices they're some of the most delicious things like yeah. you know sauerkraut is really tasty and chocolate is really tasty so you know it's it's those flavors like olives and things I was really missing that and and it's it's yeah it's not like I couldn't eat anything it's just I couldn't eat the things that I wanted to eat that I was stopping myself from eating Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, managing endometriosis naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Yeah, absolutely. So what was kind of so when you got to that point in the supermarket your pain had plateaued what was the um what like what did you do next like how did you get to a point where you had like a healthier relationship with food but also you were able to get to a place where you are with your pain you know now yeah so at that point and like I just like to say again like, I don't know there are probably some people who are listening thinking like I have no idea what this lady is talking about and other people who are going I can completely relate because at that point I literally was just like that's it I'm not doing this anymore so I literally like as quickly as I got into it I just got myself out of it I'm again I think it's maybe like my personality type I'm an all or nothing so I just decided do you know what slowly steadily I'm just going to reintroduce everything except the dairy and gluten because 
an exclusion of dairy and gluten is where I started. And when I was not eating dairy and gluten, that's when I felt like good. Like I, I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything when I excluded dairy and gluten. You know, I, I still felt like I had a really good, varied, happy diet. So I just steadily on, on my own, and it's not always right to do it on your own. Um, but I felt like I had done enough training and I wasn't in such a dire situation with my mental health that I felt I needed extra kind of um, mental health support with it. Um, so I, I did it on my own, but I wouldn't recommend everyone do that. You know, if this story sounds familiar to you, maybe you need a, a bit of extra support. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone should do it on their own. Um, but for me, it, it did, it worked for me. So I just got to the point where I was eating a, a kind of a moderate amount of everything. And I wasn't overeating anything because sometimes when we rely too much on any one food, that can be the thing that ends up causing us some problems. So just having yeah. a really, you know, varied, um, inclusive diet where I wasn't relying on anything too much, just enjoying everything. But the main thing I had, a, I was watching, I was watching, what's it called? Like a, um, what's it? Not like a webinar, but one of those things that where all these health professionals get together. I can't remember the name oh, of like it. A, um, summit? A, a summit, that's it. Yeah. I was watching this summit with, um, her name is Dr. Natasha, oh, I think it's Farrar Farrar or something. I can, I'll get you the name. Yeah. So she works with autoimmune conditions. I was watching this and it was around this whole time. And I was sort of, I was ready for a change in direction at this point. And she actually did this amazing webinar during the summit about actually the two energies of like yin and yang and our society is so kind of the energy that's so pervasive in our society is that yang energy that doing masculine energy what can I do and I think you know functional medicine exactly striving functional medicine is by nature that kind of career where you're like hey what can we do next what functional tests can we do next what what's the answer you know always looking looking but what she was talking about was actually engaging in this yin energy and it's actually it's a very feminine energy it's a lot slower and it's actually about kind of taking a step back stopping all that searching and and actually doing less. And so this kind of change in my mindset was the biggest turning point in my recovery at that at that time. So it was about kind of enjoying food and having a, a fantastic, balanced, healthy diet that's um, kind of based on an anti-inflammatory Mediterranean style diet, but not clinging to that idea that it's just food that's affecting me mm-hmm. really looking at stress and my lifestyle and and actually just really simple things like laughing more like my life had got so serious I was so hung up on you know all doing all of these uh, dietary things that I had actually just forgotten to kind of chill out a bit yeah <laughs> so, yeah I really yeah, resonate so, with that exactly because it can be especially when it's like your world like I was studying nutrition so it was my life and actually I, I personally think that the curriculum could include more of these kind of lifestyle interventions um, because they do have such a huge impact on our health. And so I was just kind of focusing on like cooking for pleasure more and spending time with my family and having fun and having baths and meditation and, and all these sorts of lifestyle things alongside just having this balanced diet. And it was absolutely amazing, the difference. It was probably... A month, you know, I, I probably certainly like 
yeah, I would say within the next month, I had no pelvic pain, no pain with sex, no spotting, and I experienced no nausea or cold sweats with my period at all. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's so interesting because if you think about like what we what we know about how cortisol affects the sex hormones and like dysregulates hormones and then um just kind of being in that flight or fight response because you're so stressed and tense all the time then you're kind of like upregulating inflammation anyway regardless of what food you eat and if you're really stressed out you could be eating the best diet but like your body's just not going to be able to absorb like all of those good nutrients properly because it's so it's so stressed you're affecting your like gut system anyway so that makes like a lot of sense and I've been talking about this with one of my clients recently she had a really bad kind of like a sort of endo but IBS like flare and she couldn't pinpoint what it was but then we kind of like backtracked to her like the scenario and she was like well I was really freaking out about traveling because she thought she was going to have a flare and then Mm -hmm. she had a flare (laughs) but she hadn't she hadn't eaten any triggers so it was so and I you know there was another another client of mine who also had a similar reaction and when we backtracked it was so much to do with stress So, you know, and so it makes a lot of sense that stress is, I mean, when we, we don't necessarily look at it and I think it's almost a bit of a flippant phrase like, oh, you know, stress is because you're stressed out or like stress is, stress can be damaging, but we don't really understand like why or actually the impact. Mm. So I think that's, that's like fascinating that when you calm down and you just brought in some kind of like pleasure and comfort into your life your your kind of brain and immune system and nervous system began to calm down yeah yeah I think that's absolutely amazing to hear of those two instances and and from my experience and I've seen it as well it, it is absolutely amazing we put you know because of the jobs we do we obviously do look a lot at food and sometimes it is that thing of your diet looks really fantastic you know what what else is going on for you um so so yeah and I I always think of like this example of if you have this this plate of food and it's a really lovely balanced meal the environment in which you eat that meal really does determine how you react and how you use that nutrition so true you know so I mean just imagine eating that plate of food surrounded by the people you love really great conversation you know candles and music just just a really lovely environment and then imagine eating that same plate of food slumped over on the sofa the blue light of the tv you know blasting on your face and maybe the neighbors have got some music on and it's really annoying you and you've had a really stressful day like how you actually utilize that food it's just going to be so different you know from from you producing less stomach acid and digestive enzymes um, you know, those things impair our digestion so much. And, and actually, I think it's particularly important with, with endo and people who are coming up with lots of bloating or digestive issues that, that maybe present like SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you know, because there's quite a big link between those two. And because obviously our stomach acid and digestive enzymes need to be working their best like if if we're stressed out they're going to be reduced and then it you know the bacteria on our food doesn't um, maybe gets through into our system and is allowed to thrive in areas that it shouldn't so you know and also we're going to absorb fewer nutrients that we actually need to create that stomach acid and those digestive enzymes so I think ultimately setting up the right environment in which we eat really shouldn't be overlooked as less important than what's on your plate because it is a really important factor but I just don't think we we talk about it enough you know we're so in this 
society we watch things on our phone you know watching videos scrolling on Instagram it's a working lunch so we're talking and we're not really engaging on what's on our plate or we're just really stressed out yeah I'm so glad you're talking about this because I'm literally recording some solo episodes after we talk and one of them is literally being in the right environment for your digestion and going back to low stomach acid and low digestive enzymes and even um you know even with a situation of working in a really high stress environment and you're having to eat on the go like when I talk to people who are in that kind of situation I literally say just just take even one breath literally if you if you have to eat on the go and you're like you know maybe you're a medical professional or something and it's really crazy just take one breath just to try and start to calm that nervous system down so you can at least begin that process of being able to absorb that food a little bit better than you would if you were just like gulping it down, barely chewing, like whilst you're like, you know, so, um, oh gosh, it's, it, yeah, it's so important. And, um, also it's just about injecting that joy back in. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing with my own journey is the joy had completely gone. It was, it was a chore to, think about what to eat and when I was eating it was half the meals I wasn't honestly I wasn't even enjoying them like I did create and find some recipes that you know I really did enjoy but a lot of the stuff I was eating I was just like this tastes like crap (laughs) like I just hated it and and I'm such a foodie like food means everything to me it's so oh I just love it like I literally I mean it's a running joke in my boyfriend's family and with my boyfriend that I literally will go to bed thinking what am I gonna have have breakfast like I'm so (laughs) excited like I'm gonna have this and this and like I just I love it so much so that part of my identity had been really like reduced and it, it like I said it just didn't feel right so yeah the the joy of food is so important and I think it's difficult because there are lots of dietary things that we can do to support ourselves. Um, and, and it is difficult because we don't want to take that joy away from people. I want my clients to completely love what they're eating. I think there's probably like a few months where they're adjusting to a new style of eating where it's really, really tough and not eating things like dairy or gluten seems like you know extremely hard but actually when you break through the other side of that you start in a way I mean I've seen it in lots of people that they actually have like this renewed love of food and they've got maybe they didn't even love food that much to begin with but they're buying recipe books and they feel really inspired and you know it is it's a process it's it can be really difficult at the beginning, but actually in the long run, it can be the start of a fantastic new relationship with food. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what I experienced when I started eating for endo, like however many years ago, this was now like five, six years ago that before, you know, when I had an eating disorder, I was living off like a Diet Coke a day and apple and like a cup of soup, (laughs) you know, like this instant packet cup of soups. So I had no, I had no interest in, in food and I didn't really, like I did have an interest in food, but more out of like being desperately hungry and like binging, if that makes sense. And, um, my granddad's Italian. So of course I had like a love for like, you know, spaghetti and things like that but other than that I didn't really understand much about cooking so when I finally started to eat for endo it was just it just turned into this huge love affair because I was just like wow I can eat all of these it was an expansion of eating for me not a reduction and um it felt really nourishing and I was able to, I just started getting cookbooks and reading blogs and, um, you know, you get to experiment with things that sound really crazy. Like just before we start recording, I was just saying, I just had a 
a black bean chocolate smoothie for lunch. Um, which I wouldn't always advise for lunch, but it was just quick. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just like weird things that you would never expect to like try. And then it's just quite fun, ex- you know, experimenting. But it, I think it's, it is the having the patience, but also kind of having, um, I actually just wrote an article about this the other day, like doing your preparation, your planning, because mm. some oh, people yeah. will read like the night before, oh, I need to cut out X, Y, Z. And then the next day they'll be like, right, I'm not eating that anymore. But they literally have no idea what to eat. And then they just start eating like a granola bar and like, you know, one or two, one or two meals that they stick to day in, day out. And then they get malnourished and they feel deprived and things. So I think what you're saying, like actually having resources of like cookbooks and like experimenting to get you excited about these new foods and actually trying them out and sort of giving yourself that time to adjust to it and to plan um can be can just be really helpful with that so that's it thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what i do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I Um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.